everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the For the Love podcast and our very special Quarantine Queens series, which has meant the world to me. I'm so glad that you're here today. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick shout out to International Justice Mission, who's making this whole episode possible. You've probably heard of IJM. They are the largest anti-slavery organization in the world. And they work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking. They've actually recently turned some of their attention to some serious efforts to help vulnerable and remote communities during the time of COVID-19. They have so many amazing stories of how they have helped people. I've seen it firsthand in traveling with them. And they are the kind of stories that give you faith that even the worst situations can still have beauty, can still have a wonderful outcome, can still have justice. So I highly recommend that you go to ijm.org slash share hope now to watch these stories. It really helps in the swirl of bad news to see some good and beautiful things happening. So dare to dream with me for just a moment about the day quarantine is over right? The day we can hug our friends and healthcare workers and weep into the blessed arms of our hairstylists, right? Who will we be that day? Maybe you're thinking about this. I know I am. If you haven't, I wonder if it's possible, even just in a very gentle way, to start thinking about who those women will be, who will emerge from this moment in time? Is it possible to take a few minutes and do a little inventory and evaluate what we hold dear in our lives and what is and is not serving us anymore? And I'm not talking about like reinventing the wheel, you know, changing your entire life. I don't, that's not my thing. That's, I'm not into that. I'm not into like just all that stuff. Okay. I'm talking more about thinking ahead to like six months from now and dreaming of who that woman might be, who she could be. I mean, how would we get to her? That is something to chew on while I introduce my next guest, who I am, I just, I wish you could have seen me during this interview. I was just kind of leaning forward into my microphone the whole time, just concentrating and listening. I really loved this conversation. My guest today is Sherry Salata. And you guys, you're going to be really glad that you've met her. She is a force. She's just a force. Well, let me, let me give you her background. Sherry spent 20 years working for our queen, yours and mine, Oprah. She started as kind of a lower level promotions producer at the Oprah Winfrey show and then worked her way all the way up to executive producer of the last five seasons, including the huge farewell season, of course we all remember. Um, She also served as co-president of Harpo Studios and own, as in the Oprah Winfrey Network, co-president. And I mean, Sherry has been recognized for her double threat as a creative and business marvel. She's been named one of Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business and the Hollywood Reporter's Women in Entertainment Power 100. I mean, she's no joke. And so here's why I love this conversation. These last few years, Sherry has been tackling the evolution of her life after spending two decades with Oprah. So can you imagine what that must be like? There are some deep waters in here today, you guys. She, first of all, wrote all about this in a wonderful, hilarious gut punch of a book called The Beautiful No, where she talks about, and I ask her this, the moment she realized she'd been living the job of her dreams, but not the life of her dreams. 
ugh, this has a lot of tentacles. So since she left Own and Harpo in 2016, Sherry has partnered with her very best friend, Nancy Halla, and they launched a podcast called The Sherry and Nancy Show. And they co-founded a lifestyle brand called ThePillarLife.com. And I love this, which I ask her about here in a minute, because in their 50s, these two decided to take on a whole new vision for their lives. Ugh fantastic. She has a lot of wisdom to give us today. I heard several sentences today that really meant something to me right now. I think this one's going to serve you well. And I am delighted to share my conversation with the witty and the insightful Sherry Salata. I am utterly delighted to meet you, Sherry, and to welcome you to the podcast. And just thank you for being on today and saying yes to this. It's such an honor for me to be here, Jen. I really appreciate it. Okay, so before we get into your incredible life and trajectory, which I was just telling you has such interesting, fresh relevance to us right now, would you just mind really quickly talking to my listeners, my community about, tell us where you are, who are your people, who are you with, what do your days look like right now while we're all kind of hunkered down and isolated, like what are your rhythms, and yeah, give us that, give us the 411 on that. Well, it depends on what day you find me. When I'm in alignment, I am up early, I'm meditating, I'm doing some form of body movement, I am making my smoothie, my mushroom elixir in the blender, I am eating big, huge salads from the garden, and I am just doing, being mindful and appreciative doing a little daydream practice for 15 minutes a day and feeling really, really good. Now you might not, I'm in the midst of a different kind of week that has been bookended by Netflix binging (laughs) and snarly unwashed hair and not getting dressed. And I might not have had a shower for a couple days. Yeah. So, so real, you know, I, I tend to go back and forth between the two And normally the perfectionist in me would be really going to town on myself on the days that I'm not on plan, that I'm not in alignment, but not this time. Now I'm kind of like, you know what? I give myself permission not to operate at a hundred percent. Yes. I love that you just said that. That's kind of been the drum I've been beating as well, which is just that it isn't even fair to expect 100% sort of output from us in a moment that none of us have ever even experienced before. It's not realistic. And I am exactly like you. I am having some days where I'm like, family, we're going to be connected today. We're going to have meaningful conversation. We're going to talk about your dreams. I'm going to cook up from scratch dinner. We're going to end it with board games. We have had days like that. And then honestly, A couple of weeks ago, I posted a video on social media and it was the end of a terrible day. And I was sitting fully clothed in my empty bathtub with a glass of wine perched on the trash can. And I was just like, this is it guys. It is empty bathtub trash can wine day. And that's just real. I actually, I find myself drawn to people right now who are kind of telling the truth in the moment about quarantine because this is hard. It is really hard. It is hard. And there is a level of sadness. That is what I identify to myself. It's so funny you say that because I am a super optimist. I'm making lemonade at every turn. 
But right now there definitely is like my whole year. And this is a thimbleful compared to what many, many people are going through. I mean, I have a sadness about that. What I know is happening out in the world. I have a sadness. I'm mourning. I'm grieving the lost year. All my plans for this year, everything I was doing is is just gone. And so I will get to the other side of it. And I often do. Like I'll wake up and I'll say, remind myself that there is an opportunity here that you have never had in your life. You can't go out and busy yourself up with distractions that prevent you from rising up and continuing to be becoming the woman that you know you've come here to be. You can't busy yourself up with all kinds of running to the store and and lining up your social calendar. You're really going to have to go within and do those things and do that like heart work, that soul work that you know is the thing that lifts you up. And then, you know, honestly, there's just some days where I can't show up like that. Yeah. You know what? Thank you for being honest about that, but also for that optimistic outlook on what's possible right now. We're going to get to that. I want to reel it back just a hair because I think it is safe to say that a lot of us are sort of dreaming about what's our post-quarantine life going to look like? What opportunity am I going to take here while also still trying to get through this thing one day at a time? You're an interesting leader right now because you know, you're obviously a producer. You've spent your career putting out fires and tending to like whatever's like raising its hand at that a sec. But you also know the pitfalls from dealing with every sort of external thing, but ignoring the interior, which is so familiar. So I told my listeners before you and I hopped on about your incredible book called The Beautiful No. But I wonder if I can ask you just a few questions about it because it really is leading us well while we're all physically forced to be in one place, thinking about what life might look like after this. And so you had this monumental realization as you left your job as, you know, co-president of the OWN Network for crying out loud. And you'd been working with Oprah for more than 20 years that you said you were living the job of your dreams, but not the life of your dreams, which is like gut punch. Can you talk about this a little bit? Can you take us back to that season of your life, everything that had kind of led up to it, and then that moment, how you got there? Well, yes, I'll start with the dramatic epiphany that I had. I pulled out a post-it note um, the day after I had of my, my new life. Uh, we had sunsetted the Oprah show in 2011. I joined Oprah and lots of other people to go out to LA and begin to turn the own network around. And there is the truth. I can look back at a picture of myself now and go, you were in deep trouble, girl. Wow. Yeah. In this dream to like, you clearly do not have the life of your dreams. You've had the career of your dreams, but nothing's really dreamy right now. And, you know, it was time to go. So I woke up and, you know, I'm just always producing and I wanted to get to like, what is the epiphany? What is the punchline here? And I pulled out a post-it note and here's what it said. 100 pounds overweight, no man in sight, rounding the bend to 57, a total catastrophe. Oh man. And I put oh, that, po- I, I know I put that post-it note on the dining room wall and then I would come in and out of the room and I would look at it cause I really couldn't take it in. It could have killed me. It could have killed me. And I just would 
look at it and then walk away and look at it and walk away. And then I sat down and said, here's what our next step is going to be. We're going to find out how we did get here. Because the irony is, as I'm sure you can see, that I produced shows about self-care, consciousness, put the oxygen mats on yourself first for years and years and years. So why would I go down the path of what I call deliberate unconsciousness? Wow. Because I wasn't unconscious, like I didn't have the information. The information was coming out of my ears. It was walking right in front of me every single day. But why would I choose that path of deliberate unconsciousness? And I continue to untangle that little riddle. I don't spend a lot of time there anymore, but I, you know, I go back and I'll be like, wow, that was choice after choice after choice of deliberate unconsciousness. In the beginning to heal it was making the decision that I was going to excavate my most tenderest lens, the most tender little lens I could and go area by area of my life and discover two things. Number one, what is it that I have created so far? And number two, what is my new dream here? So good. And in that process, you know, that's when I really did realize, wow, you manifested the career. You really put all your eggs in one basket there. You manifested the career of your dreams, not the life of your dreams. You had all the information to, you know, healthy stress reducing practices, because there's no question producing a number one show is a stress ball. I can't even imagine it. It's crazy business. In many ways, I took some of the like TV sitcom stereotypical paths, you know, with the jugs of diet soda and the, you know, mountains of pizza and whatever I could do to fill up that anxiety I was having, even while I was on the ride of my life professionally, which is something. So I'm like captivated by what you're saying right now. I wonder, I don't even know if it's possible to exactly identify it, but you just asked a question that's so wise and deserves attention, you know, when you turned it inward and said, why did I choose these things in full possession of better knowledge, right? Like in full possession of better practices. And why wouldn't I reach for those? Did you get an answer for that? Well, here's what's been so interesting to me, that I get a book contract and struggle with that. That was a tough thing because it's like, oh, you know, I, I know I have respect for books. You know, I was once the book club producer, so I have respect for books. You're going to have to take off some skin to make it worthy of somebody picking up. And, you know, private person, behind the scenes person, not really sharing a whole lot of stuff. I was like, oh, this is really, 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 really difficult. That sense of vulnerability does 100% have the power to push us into unhealthy spaces, just to avoid it. I mean, if there's any way to avoid it, I'll just eat my feelings or drink my feelings or remain so utterly busy that I don't even have to face my feelings. And I know that instinct. I have felt that instinct. Here's something that you wrote in the beautiful note, by the way, you're just such a good storyteller. Of course you are. It's what you've been doing for decades, but you said this, you wrote what we say to ourselves about ourselves. Every area of our lives is life and death. The difference between the joy ride 
and the hard road. And I can't quit thinking about that. Like I read that and then I just kind of sat on my chair and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. Will you talk a little more about the stories that we tell ourselves, why they matter so much, and then how to change them when we realize we're telling ourselves a bad story? Right. Well, we are all doing this. Every waking moment, there's a tape on a loop going on and on and on and on. It's almost become an unconscious choice of judgment, criticism, and a review of who we are. So if you stop and listen to it, it's that thing, you feel, I feel so fat. I look so bad in that. There's another wrinkle. A lot to do with our physical appearance. Sometimes it's like, that was a stupid thing to say. You never, you're so stupid. Why do you keep doing that? Oh, it's another mistake. I feel like a failure. It is a perspective on ourselves that we are often unaware of, but is driving our belief system about ourselves. Totally. And the only way to change it is to listen to that story and choose new words, even if you don't mean them at first. Hmm, great point. So it's kind of like going back and saying, okay, I am two of the most powerful creative words ever in the human language, I am. So you're creating a story about your beauty. You're creating a story about your body. You're creating a story about your success, about your worthiness, about your lovability, about all of it. And you have to have a new story. It's worth the effort to challenge yourself to say, what would I say if I loved myself most? It's a great question. What would I say about my body if I loved myself most? What would I say about my beauty if I loved myself most? And that becomes a really valuable exercise. And you were asking earlier, like about an epiphany. The biggest epiphany I've had was during when I was traveling and talking to women and out on my quote unquote book tour was, oh, and this was so crazy to me. Like, I cannot even believe I'm only having this realization now that I have an unhealthy relationship. I have something knotted up in my mind that achievement and worthiness are the same thing. Oh, wow. And that achievement and lovability are the same thing. And that certainly drove me for years and years and years instead of really just understanding that I'm worthy because I'm here. And so are you. So good. And that's a big shift. It sounds like a small toggle, that's like a sea change. I mean, that is a completely different way to operate in the world when you are worthy for because you live and because you are here and everything else is on top of that, not because of that. I find that an incredibly important idea to grab onto. You and your best friend, Nancy, you've partnered together to create your own company, your own lifestyle brand, because you just found that you're both in your, you were both in your fifties and yet you wanted something different. You wanted something more. And I can't tell you how happy that makes me. I just want to just simmer in that because as you well know, our world does not like to tell women, especially in their fifties or beyond who have had the rich career, who have, you know, had the thing, had the whole package that we were handed, you know, early on, this is the stuff that counts, right? This is the stuff that matters that there is still more possible even for them. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about how the two of you decided that that narrative was garbage 
and that you did still have permission to dream new dreams and to build new things and to reach for something different and more. And so can you talk about that process a little bit and then what it is that you're learning about yourselves in it? Oh my gosh. Well, this was the big seminal decision and moment for me was to become an entrepreneur, to partner with Nancy Hala, uh, my friend of 30 years, one of my nearest and dearest. And we were, it was after many boozy Chardonnay filled sessions in my backyard in LA at the time. And, you know, basically we'd had two different paths. Nancy was a single stay-at-home mom with a freelance writing career. And I had no kids. I wasn't married and I worked 80 or 90 hours a week. We sat there and looked at each other and say, okay, we're in our mid fifties. If we make the commitment to really begin to be the most trustworthy stewards of our own well-being, we might live till we're a hundred. What are we doing with all those years? It's great. And that was the thought like, okay, So let's say we're just halfway through or just slightly over the middle spot. Is it too late for us to make the rest of our dreams come true? And we both answered, no, it's not too late. Is it ever too late? Not as long as you're waking up and breathing. That's right. And then we finally looked at each other and said, if not now, when? That's great. And that's when we said, well, all we want to do personally is transcend, transform, rise up, make the rest of our dreams come true and support each other in doing that. And listen, if there's a business in it, great. If that works out, that's great. The biggest priority was a commitment to radical self-care as a way of life. Knowing that when you are taking care of yourself at that kind of dynamic, focused level, Everybody in the world benefits. I've said this a million times. Everybody in the world benefits. There's a story out there that women who take ownership of their entire life, who decide to step into agency over their health and their hearts and their desires and wants and needs and convictions, the story is that we become a danger. We're a threat to strong communities and we're a threat to families and we're a threat to parenthood. And, and we become like a, that's just a lie that was always we're selfish. Yeah. We're selfish. We're hellaciously ambitious to the detriment of everybody around us, you know, and that story was really just created to keep us in our places, to keep us quiet, to keep us small, to keep us sidelined. Because the truth is it's what you just said. What I've experienced, not in my own life, but also my whole community is that Women who make that choice are the greatest women. They are incredible partners and parents. They are fantastic friends and community servants. They are good. They are, they are good news in their families and in their worlds and their communities. And so it's a fake story. It really is. This sort of internal work is going to be to the detriment of everybody around you. It's the opposite. It's good for everybody that you love. It's a great good for them. It certainly is. Your greatest contribution to the world is your own happiness. And that doesn't feel like volunteering till you're resentful and saying yes to everybody till you're depleted. Your greatest contribution to the world is your own happiness. You have no idea how your energy vibration and your happiness radiates out into your family, your community, all of that. That is the contribution, raising the vibration. Oh, so good. 
It's so real. Anybody can look at their own lives and realize that, that when we are chronically resentful, bitter, overextended, passive aggressively angry at everybody in our lives and having to live inside the yeses we have given, that's such a loss for everyone else, including ourselves. I want to ask you this um, before we sort of get close to land in the plane. There's a lot of ideas out there right now about how to weather this time of quarantine. And there's one camp kind of saying, oh, just whatever. Everything's just whatever. Let it all go, you know, fall apart, essentially. And then there's some who say, push and push and push and self-improve. And like, you should emerge from this, like with two new languages and, you know, this perfect version of yourself at the end of this. And then I think most of us are somewhere in the middle who have grace for ourselves in every present moment, but we are still casting our eyes to the horizon, wondering, I wonder if something inside of this moment could be an opportunity. I wonder if this is an invitation to examine. And so I think most of us kind of want to do that. And I wonder what you would say to those of us who are having a bit of a reckoning moment, if you will, right now, since you have had one yourself, you've had it, you experienced it, you went through it, and you have so much to teach us now. So how do we sit in that pocket right now? Well, here's one of the things I'm doing, because it's not one and done. The reckoning, the revisioning, the reimagination is an ongoing process. What I start with is that little tender, tender view of what I've created so far, how I'm doing, noticing, noticing the good, noticing the, oh gosh, not a lot of energy going on there. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. I use words like that's interesting. And that wipes out the, oh, I can't believe you didn't do that. Shame. Yeah, yeah. It wipes out the shame. It's just all really interesting. And then here's an important piece. And I think this happens to a lot of us in the middle of life, which is we've forgotten how to dream. You know, you don't have the same dreams as you had 10 years ago. Totally. And the process of dreaming really is allowing yourself the time to sit down, engage your imagination in the kind of thinking of, let's take health and wellness. What is my current dream? What is my dream for my own health and wellness? If I could take all the limitations that I put on myself, what would be my real dream? What does that look like? What does that feel like? How do I feel embodying that dream? And spend a little time in all the areas of your life asking yourself the question, what is my new dream? What is my new dream here? And you know what happens? All of a sudden, you start to feel that little spark of hope, that transformation. And that means transformation is already happening. You start to stir, stoke those hope fires. Then pretty soon it's like, Hope feels like expectation, feels like encouragement, feels like inspiration. And next thing you know, you're on your way. That is like dropping like a rock right into my heart, right this very minute in a couple of areas. And I love it because it's full of possibility and it's an inside job. You know, that's not necessarily waiting on someone else to change or someone else to pull a lever that we have not yet pulled for our own lives. That begins right in the silence of our own heart and mind, which is such a powerful place. That's such a powerful impetus for new vision and change and evolution and all the wonderful things that make us human. And it's exciting for us to be able to watch someone like you who has experienced by any standard, the most impressive and successful career 
achievements, right? I mean, there's just, on paper, there's, we would just say, what else? There's pressure, probably doesn't want anything else in the world. That's it. Just drop the mic. And so just to be able to look at to you as a mentor to say, no, even there, like even at the tail end of decades of absolute utter success, it's still possible to dream new dreams and to reevaluate. That's encouraging to me. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. That's kind of the thing where we're sheltering. We're in our sanctuaries. And as we dream those new dreams, another thing I would say is now's the perfect time to take yourself to a place where you can fall in love with the idea of change. You want to fall in love because things have changed. We're not going back to the old way the exact same way. Things have changed and things are changing and things are continuing to change. So your ability to choose happiness on a moment-to-moment basis is going to absolutely depend on your ability to embrace and celebrate and fall in love with the idea of change. That's great. I love it. And it's never too late to seize that. It really isn't. No, Even if it's against our grain to do so, that remains a possibility for every single person. I'm going to wrap it up here. These are three quick questions that I'm asking all of our guests in this particular podcast series. So it's just kind of whatever you kind of have, kind of right at the top of your head. So I'm curious, you may say no, but do you by chance have either a new practice or a habit, some sort of rhythm that you have really put into play during this quarantine season that is helping you stay grounded and sort of rest assured and kind of where you're at right now? Yes. My new ad started with a 14-day free trial, the class by Taryn Toomey, which is a digitally streamed class because that's what they have to do now. And it feels like back in the day when I had access to SoulCycle, I live in Napa Valley now. I'd go to work out and I'd end up crying and feeling like I'd been to church. It's a little like that. It's really connecting to your heart. So the class by Taryn Toomey, I'm doing that every other day. Oh, how wonderful. Okay. I'll make sure listeners that we have that all linked up so you can check that out too. How about this? And the answer may be no, but now that we're all pretty close to home, pretty much all the time, do you have any sort of lingering project, be it a home project or a whatever, a creative project that you're like, okay, I'm going to get around to this finally. I'm going to really tackle this one. Yes. It's been calling to me and I've been ignoring and ignoring the drumbeat gets louder decluttering my closet, my clothes, my closet, my stuff. There's a thing. I wear a lot of black. It looks like big, mushy piles of black. I don't even know what's in there anymore. That's going to happen. That's going to feel so good. Oh, it's going to feel so good. We've applied that energy to a couple of spaces in our house too, and a couple of closets. And still, it's been two or three weeks since we've done it. And I will still just walk into those closets, open the door, and just look at it. I'm like, look at this. Look at this amazing. It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) It's so amazing. Okay, last question. I ask every guest in every series this final question from a spiritual teacher of mine who I love. And you can answer this however you want in a very serious, sober minded way or in a silly way. So it's up to you. Her question is What is saving your life right now? Well, interestingly enough, I moved to the Napa Valley one year ago and I could either do lots of renovations on the house or I could do some renovations and surround the house with gardens. And I elected to surround the house with gardens. 
So there's roses blooming, there's wisteria blooming, and I grow vegetables. Like I have a backyard farm, oh, raised beds. amazing. And they talk about forest bathing, which I 100% believe in. What I'm doing and what is saving my life is garden bathing. And I don't even say to anybody, just go out in your backyard and walk around and put your bare feet on the lawn. Do some yard and garden bathing because here's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the fact that the world is filled with endless beauty, that there are gazillion shades of green, and that there is a cycle, a birth, and a rebirth, and a growing, and a cyclical nature to life, and all is really okay and well. I love that. makes me feel calm just to hear you say it. It is interesting right now that this pandemic is occurring during the spring. And so all around us, if we'll peek up, are these signs of new life. And all of our pecan trees are blooming right now. And the earth keeps going and it keeps doing what it's always done. And there's a comfort in it. Okay. Thank you for offering your wisdom today. And I really loved that conversation. I'm, I took some notes while you were talking about some things that really meant, mean a lot to me right now. And so I just appreciate who you are and your journey. And I, listeners, we will link to all of Sherry's everything, her sites, her work, her initiatives, her book. We'll have it all for you so you can get it at a one-stop shop over at jenhatmaker.com. Thanks for being on today. I was just delighted to meet you. Oh, so delighted to have that. It's the only conversation worth having. Uh, yes, agreed. A hundred percent agreed. Okay. Thank you. Sending all my love over to you in Napa Valley. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I love it. I love it. Fall in love with the idea of change. Love it. Ugh. Cause there are just areas, right? Where we are just so stuck. We are so log jammed. We cannot even imagine the possibility of redemption and revolution in certain places. And yet it is possible. Like fall in love with the idea of change and that little glimmer becomes hope. And that hope turns to just amazing vision. I, I just, I loved this conversation. I hope you did too. I actually hope you love the series. The quarantine series has just really been incredible to put these sorts of leaders and thinkers and artists and creatives in front of us right now during this unprecedented moment in history and helping us keep our humor and keep our hope and keep our connectedness. Even if not one of you has been listening to it, which you have, it's meant so much to me and I've been grateful for it. So thank you for being here week in and week out. Don't forget to tune into our regular For the Love podcast series every single week where we are still in the Fierce Free and Full of Fire series, which is just lightning phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. Some of the greatest leaders and thinkers and teachers, we amassed and put them in one spot in this series. And I want to also thank you to all my readers who are reading Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire right now and everything that you are telling me about it and sharing about it, the way that you're giving it to your daughters and your moms and your sisters and your best friends. It means the world to me. I love the conversations we are having around Fierce right now. Love it absolutely love it. And so thank you for being not just an incredible podcast community here, listening community, but also the uh, incredible fierce community. And so anyway, our delight to serve you on behalf of Laura, my producer and her team and Amanda and I, thanks for being here and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.